welcome to The Executive Appeal, a show that convenes the world's most powerful and successful leaders to share mentoring and career advancement advice to help you successfully transition into senior level executive positions. I'm your host, Alex Trimble, award-winning speaker, author, and leadership expert with over a decade of experience coaching and advising some of our nation's most senior level government leaders. So if you're ready to reach your goals, let's get started. Hello, everyone. This is Alex Trumbull from the Executive Hill. And today, <laughs> today is a good day. See, so today I have with me another phenomenal guest. Look, you're going you're gonna to love it. I know I'm going to love it, but you're going to love it. See, Mr. Scott Wadron, he is amazing. He is an international communication strategist who uses his expertise and extensive knowledge of brand development to build loyalty amongst individuals, teams, and organizations. He's worked with clients such as J.P. Morgan Chase, the CDC, Georgia Tech, Caribbean, I feel like I need to do a dance, Sesame Workshop, a Home Depot, the list goes on and on. And I'm so glad he's here to talk with us today. And today, I'm looking forward to chatting with him. But one of my biggest pet peeves, miscommunications. I'm looking forward to seeing if, if he wants to add anything to this conversation, which I know he's going to want to. So with no further ado, how are you doing today, kind sir? Wow. I don't even know. Like after that intro, I feel amazing. So <laughs> I don't care how I was feeling five minutes ago. Now I feel great. So you're rocking. You're rocking it. You, you, you know what you're doing. You're, you're, you're creating this, this, this brand of, of being humble. See, I, we're going to talk about brand a bit, but I, I want to kick us off because you and I were just talking about where we used to live. And I, I mentioned that I lived in uh, Iowa for about four years. And how I got there is a crazy story. Uh, ultimately, I had a choice between, uh, I think it was like South Dakota or North Dakota and Iowa. And I was like, uh, which one is warmer? And I went to Iowa. Um, but I remember um, the first snow. See, I'm from California and I, I very rarely grew up around snow at all. And I remember the first snow that we had while we were in, um, in Iowa. And me and my, my, my roommate, also from California, um, we looked at the window and saw how beautiful it was. And we're like, wow, like this is, this is amazing. And then the next day we, 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 we woke up and looked at the, the beautiful snow again. And then they were like, wow, wow. And then, and then a week later, we were like, okay, uh, this is getting old. And then two weeks later, and then the snow is this dark and, and, and dirty and it's cold outside. We, 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 were, we were about done with this. So I, I, I want to, I thought about that story because I started thinking about, we are now living in this, this hybrid work environment. I do remember a lot of people in the beginning saying, wow. This is amazing. It's so awesome being work from home. I could do this forever. Now I know people who are saying, this is ridiculous. I feel disconnected. I feel lonely. I feel, um, I, I feel like I don't belong to the organization. How do I build relationships from this hybrid working environment when I'm not in the, in the face with people? What are your thoughts? And this reaction to this weird story I kicked us off with this morning. Um, I love that story because I relate to you a lot, right? I mean, we, I grew up in Atlanta. Um, we had like a three centimeter amount of snowfall every year, maybe, which all shut the whole city down, of course. And then we moved, I moved up to Chicago with my wife, um, Northwest suburbs for about seven years. And it was, it was like that, right? It was like, we moved up in October and then the first snow came and we're like, whoa, look, it's so beautiful. And it's peaceful outside. <laughs> and you're like, ah, I get to shovel snow, right? It's like, whoa, what? Nice. So I went out and got a snow shovel and I'm like shoveling snow. And then like February rolls around and I'm still shoveling snow. 
<laughs> and I'm like, my fingers hurt so bad and I'm so cold and my clothes are all getting ruined because all the salt and I'm just going and I started to cry a little bit Alex I did I started to cry and I said you know and whenever anybody now says oh you live in Atlanta Ugh, like I can't like you're so hot <laughs> I'm like yeah but you know what I've never cried because of the heat Alex ever <sighs> I've cried because of the cold I've never cried because of the heat. So that was that was my line. That was my indicator. It's like this is a problem. If I'm crying because this is a problem. Now, so that's my initial reaction. Now, how does this relate to maybe the hybrid workforce? Maybe I think it relates in general to everything that we're doing. Like whether it's taking on a new position, it's like, ooh, yeah, I got this yeah. new job, right? And I got this new opportunity, and they're like, ooh, it ain't so great here. Like, this isn't what I pictured it to be. So what are your expectations? So it goes back to expectation, okay? So some of us are thrown into something like a hybrid work environment because there's something called a global pandemic happening. So sometimes that happens and we're thrown into this environment. Sometimes we choose to move and we choose this new environment. Now, I think it's, are we setting realistic expectations for ourselves? Are we setting limited expectations? Are we setting impossible. I mean, I think that that's where we start to really get into this world of why so many people are disappointed, you know, yeah. with uh, yeah. either their job, their team, their family, their kids, hybrid workforce, like whatever it is. Cause you, here's at the end of the day, what I, what I tend to say is that missed expectations are nothing but predetermined bitterness. <sighs> so when you sit there and think about it, right somebody's going to be disappointed. Yeah. And if there is nobody on the other side, if it's a thing that I got moved into, it's going to be me that's been disappointed. Then I'm going to worry about why I did that job isn't what I thought it was going to be. And yeah. then the whole yeah. world against me, you know? Um, so then I'm, I'm bitter and then I become bitter and then I'm toxic and all these other things happen. Right. So I don't know if that's where you wanted to go with that hey. conversation, but Hey, that's where I went. Hey, look, I, I, I go wherever you go. You, you, you're, you're driving this car today. You, I, I love what you said. You're talking about the, the expectations. And I, I I was literally in a training this morning I was leading. And one of the participants, um, we were, we started off doing this thing like, how are you doing? How, how are you feeling? Everyone's like, oh, this happened, this happened, this happened. All these positive things. And this person said, well, you know, I don't want to be a, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer. No disrespect to anyone named Debbie. But you know, I just had, I was in the ER all last night. Um, my heart is, was having challenges. It wasn't, a, it wasn't a heart attack, but I know that my father had a heart attack at this age. And I am, I'm worried. And I'm not, I'm not sure if I should be sharing this right now because I feel like I'm maybe bringing down the room and so on and so forth. And I was like, dude, bro, you're not. And, and the reality is, is that we all unfortunately live in this super fake super um, put together world where we, we look at social media, we look at all the people around us and everyone's living their best life. And for some reason, something must be wrong with me because I'm the only one going through some challenges right now. And I was like, that is completely false. I personally believe that we need more of this, more of this sharing so we can know like life is hard. It doesn't mean life should be hard all the time, but we all have things that go right and we all have things that go wrong. And I think if we're going to be successful as we progress through life, we need to have those expectations that, yes, I'm going to have some good days, but I'm also going to have some bad days. But as long as I push through it, I can get back to those good times. Is that what I'm hearing from you, Scott? 
Um, I think you're hearing that. I think that, uh, I hope you're hearing that. I hope, I hope that also you're hearing about this idea of, uh, of inner peace, right. And what brings us inner peace versus what doesn't. And how do we have peace in a chaotic world? And, and what, because we can't control everything around us all the time. Those are kind of the uncontrollables and what can we control? Well, ultimately we control what's inside us. And to the idea of like, when we change what's inside of us, change happens around us. Change what's inside first, things will change on the outside. Literally, maybe not so, but at least our perspective <laughs> will change, right, of that thing. And so that's what's really um, going to be powerful because if we take care of ourselves, if we are at our best, then we can give our best to others. If we're not at our best, we're not going to be able to give our best to others, right? That that doesn't work. It just, we can't give what we don't possess. So it, it really comes down to, to that and what we're doing. If you're a manager in the federal government, do you have feds protection professional liability insurance? Because if you don't, you need to get it. Having a feds policy means that you will be protected against any professional capacity lawsuit, administrative action, or criminal investigation arising from actions taken in the scope of your employment. This insurance is a must have for federal managers and starts at just $209 a year. Plus, your agency will reimburse you for half of this cost. To learn more, visit www.fedsprotection.com or call 866-955-3337 today. I want you to play with me here Yeah. Uh, on, this, on this little game I'm, I'm going to throw at you. I'm going to try this and I'm going to see if, if, you, if you take it. So there's, there's this thing, um, this phrase if you really knew me, right? Because like you said, we live in this world that is a bit contrived at times. It's kind of, what are we seeing? What are we interpreting in our own mind? This dialogue, the story we make up. Um, but this phrase, if you really knew me, is an exercise in vulnerability. And vulnerability has to be there in order for us to break down these barriers of self-preservation that everybody has on this planet, Okay. And so I'm going to start out with an, if you really knew me statement, and then I'm going to come to you and I'm going to see if you're willing to play. Okay. You don't have to play, Alex. I know I'm just springing this on you, man. <laughs> no worries, bro. So here, here we go. So I'm going to, I'm going to throw this out there. If you really knew me, you would know that, you know, I shave my legs because I'm a cyclist, a road cyclist, and no, it has nothing to do with aerodynamics. It's because I think I look like uh, Michael J. Fox from Teen Wolf in a basketball outfit if I don't shave them, right? So, right, right. If you're, okay. So if you really knew me, you'd know that uh, I used to do brand strategy work and graphic design, and now I've switched completely to uh, external, I mean, internal communication, helping teams and leaders really um, have aha moments and discover who they were designed to be. Right. Um, if you really knew me, you would know that um, I have two kids. I have a daughter that's 12, a son that's 10. And you know what? My daughter is super easy and my son is very hard. He is, he was diagnosed, right, with um, ADHD in the spring and anxiety. And sometimes I'm just like, oh, dude, like, you know, I, I try not to say that. Why can't you ever be like your sister kind of yeah. thing? Cause my sister, I mean, my sister, my daughter, my daughter, she, she's 12. She could go out get a job and be on her own right now <laughs> and be totally fine. Right. Like she'll crush life. Um, 
my son, I have this, like, I got to stop these thoughts, right. Of like, gosh, man, like, am I, am I leading him? Okay. As a father, like, as we, are we, as parents leading him, are we doing the, what's best for him? Are we babying him too much? Are we too hard on him? Right. Cause we're constantly like nicking at him. Right. So, yeah. Okay. So vulnerability, right Mm -hmm. now that exercise, what it does. Well, hold on before I go into that. Yeah. Want to take a turn? Oh, sure. Sure. Okay. Let's, 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 let's see if I, I do this. Um, if you really knew me, you knew that I am the oldest of six kids, which in, in my family, I kind of also became like a third parent, which meant that I was kind of responsible for a lot of kids getting things done, which that kind of translated to my, my adult life and that I feel responsible for people. I feel like I need to solve the problem to make sure everyone's okay. Um, so that's something I still struggle on as a leader. Um, if you really knew me, um, you know that I actually struggle with my weight. Um, I have this persona, this brand of confidence. Um, but man, I, I used to be, I used to be this freaking, I think pretty bad, I can say it, badass uh, athlete in, in college and in high school. And I am not used to looking and feeling like this. And I just, I always have to find ways to, to, to not feel bad. But as I see people on Instagram and people on Facebook and losing all this weight, I'm not where I would like to be. Um, if, if you, if you knew me, if you really knew me, um, you'd also know that uh, I'm a huge nerd. And so if, if I'm not like reading, like literally, I'm not like reading leadership books and things like that. Um, generally, I try to just turn my mind off because funny enough, I was uh, diagnosed with ADHD a few years back and I literally sometimes just turn my mind off. I think too much um, and I'll just watch anime, just anime and other cartoons just because I need to, I got to slow down um, my, my mind and, and take some time for me. Um, so th- those, those are three I can do off the top of my head. Dude, amazing, right? So this exercise does a couple things, right? Number one, and I think everybody's going to feel it. Um, what this does in a group setting is everybody start, they see you lower your wall, right? It's not to guarantee everybody's going to lower their wall, right? Yeah. But it, it's like, huh, me listening to Alex caused me to maybe relate to Alex. Oh, he has ADHD? No way. I didn't know that. Like, Oh, so does my son. There's a connection. We immediately connected, right? Oh, Alex feels discouraged by his weight being an athlete and that like, oh, I do too. Or, oh, and I, I didn't, I didn't look at you with like shame. I didn't look at you with like, oh, what's wrong with him? Right. So now I have permission to be that way because I know that it's probably pretty safe. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. so you have this person saying, Hey, I was in the hospital. I mean, I'm sorry. I don't want to bring anybody down, but like, and then everybody else is sitting there and they're going, huh? Well, yeah. I mean, I guess my life isn't like hunky dory either. Like, yeah, I felt like I had to say something like that because that's what we expect. Yeah. 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 I come to you, Alex, I say, Hey man, how's it going? You're like, Oh, I'm good. But it's like, okay. Are you? Are you, <laughs> yeah. like, are you, are saying, you that? saying that? Because you like, get to say that. Exactly. We've been conditioned to say it, or we don't want to get into a deep conversation. Like, yeah. I don't like if I say, well, no, I'm not too good. Then all of a sudden I go, I can't just go, oh, okay. And then like, walk away, <laughs> right. Like I have to ask, I have to be like, oh man, like what's going on. Right. Yeah, so now yeah. I've opened a conversation. So maybe we don't want to have a conversation. Totally fair. Yeah. Um, but I think at the end of the day, 
We can let down walls. We can be more vulnerable and we can make connections, human connections, because you know what? We're not that different. Yeah. We are not that different, man. Uh, I'm I'm with you 100% on this. I I really enjoyed that that exercise too. Um, So I I hope those listening will actually try it out because it, I, I do feel like as you were sharing your um, your humanity, um, your your life, it, it does it did feel a friend to me as well to share as well. And I would say it's actually I want to say it's even more important, but I think it's very something that people who want to move up to those more senior level positions and so on and so forth, I think it's even more important that you do those things. And people see you as a person um, because we already know that as you move up the ranks, it becomes more and more difficult to get real information. Um, There's a fear that if I tell you the wrong thing, I get fired, right? Whatever it may be, or I'll I'll look stupid or I'll look bad. And I think that that becoming intentionally um, sharing information to make you feel um, more like a person, authentic and so on and so forth. Hopefully we'll we'll lower some of those those um, those barriers. Won't won't lower all of them, but hopefully it does some of them. Is is that what you found as you've talked to leaders as well? Or yeah, yeah. Thoughts? I mean, culture determines behavior, right? Um, so it it either determines the type of behavior that's going to occur, or it allows a certain type of behavior to exist. Um, and when we think about what culture is. It's this idea of how it's the atmosphere, it's the people and in, in, inside your organization. Um, I, I was interviewing a guy on my show, uh, Unlocked, and he said something really was brilliant, right? And it was just like, of course, that's what it is, right? But he said, you know what? If I if you have a company of a hundred people, and we take your company of a hundred people and we move you across the street. All hundred move over there. We move the whole organization over there. We decorate the office, looks a little bit different. You're generally going to have the same culture, right? It's going to be what it is. Has nothing to do with the place, has nothing to do with the physical atmosphere. If you have a company of a hundred people and I change out 50% of those people with new people, you're going to have an entirely different culture within that space. So what kind of culture are we breeding? Um, or what kind of behavior are we allowing or that we are doing, right? Because you said something at the beginning, you said some people are afraid to bring up things because they're afraid they're going to get fired. Now, maybe the leadership and other people in the, those roles have created a culture of zero psychological safety where it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We have a culture here where you're not allowed to be vulnerable or say things like that because you will get fired. We did it last year. Remember that person? Yeah, don't be that person. Right. <laughs> or are we the type of organization that's saying, hey, you know what? As a leader, I'm secure, confident, and humble. Secure, confident, humble. I'm willing to share. Right. I'm going to even lead this thing. I'm going to share. Right. If you really knew me, right. What's going on. Right. And then, you know, I, we don't have to make it a kumbaya moment. We don't have to like get super down and dirty with our laundry and our skeletons. I'm not saying that. Right. But it's an exercise in connection. And what you said was cool. It's like, as you shared your humanity with me. What? Like, so good, Alex. Like, how many times we forget that we're all human, you know? You, you, you make me think of, uh, I, I want to I address exactly what you said, but from a different, a slightly different angle now. Um, so what do they call it? Um, the friend zone. So, so guys like me, I grew up in the friend zone. I, I was on a, I was on an interview the other day. I told them I literally, when I was in high school, um, I had beachfront property in the friend zone. Like I could not get out. Like <laughs> that's where I was, and I was just I was a super nice guy. And 
for the life of me, I couldn't understand why, why me being nice and me caring so much kept making it so I couldn't be, you know, get the, get the girl and so on and so forth. And I, or later on, I figured out there's, there's, there's a, there's a, there's a certain pathway you got to reach. When I think about the, the that, that super nice person, I think about what about the leader who is in the culture that that is accepting that, that that does create a safe atmosphere that, that that does create those safe spaces and places, and they're doing everything they they know is right. However, the employee has come from another place where they didn't feel psychologically safe, right? And so, even though you have a company culture that is, or a team culture that provides that 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 room, you still have a person acting as if they can't be that person because of where they've come from. Because again, we all didn't start off with them when company, we, we all have baggage, we all have um, experiences and past jobs and so on and so forth. So what do you say to the leader who is becoming, who becomes frustrated because they're doing everything, they're, they're doing everything right. But because those people and say those employees in that team had come from a bad culture, they're treating it as if it's that bad culture. That's got to get frustrating at some point. Yeah, and I'm sure it does, especially when you're being vulnerable and then nobody else is, right? That's like, uh, everybody, I have totally like let myself, like I'm walking the room naked and nobody else is. <laughs> like that's super uncomfortable, right? So, you know, and it's it's that that feeling of like, gosh, why can't I get anybody to engage? Why can't I get it? Well, we have to understand that people have past, and we'll say past traumas, and I, I'm, I'm not like making light of that word, right? But there's workplace traumas just as much. And uh, people have been put down by bosses, dominated by bosses, passive aggressive actions, um, all types of stuff that that can really hurt a relationship. And their their guard is up. Their cell wall of self-preservation is way up because they're like, hold up. I'm not trusting you because the last three people I've trusted burn me bad yeah, yeah. and uh, I'm damaged right now. And they may not tell you that. So here's the leadership tip. Move from critique to curiosity. So if I move away from going, these people, they never engage. These people, like, I don't know. I can't find, I can't find people that want to engage with me anymore. I just, you know, the old team I had, they were really engaging. And now this one's nothing. I can't even get her to talk or him to do what I need yeah, him to do. Yeah, yeah. It was really easy to just critique and lash out because it's like, I do it. Why don't they do it? And uh, if I move to curiosity, then I start asking questions. Then I start going, huh, I wonder what's going on with them in their personal life. I wonder, I wonder how that's going. I wonder if they feel like they're doing what they've been built to do. Like, yeah. I wonder what they feel like their role is and what if they have a vision for themselves and do they feel like they get enough time with me, adequate time with me? Like there's this whole world of questioning that we don't use because it involves time and intentionality and we like to just go. You know, what's funny is, uh, I know you've heard this before, your strength generally can be one of your biggest weaknesses um, because you're so good at it. Like, this is that you know you got, you got hammered so you use your, your hammer with everything and sometimes your hammer is not the right tool and sometimes you you have a, something you're so good at um you're great at building those relationships you're great at talking to people you're great at asking questions so whatever's wrong it can't be that so i, I mean i mean i don't think about that but sometimes again to to your point it's funny how even for me as i'm you know i, I coach and work with organizations to teach those 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 questions and 
telling people to help them slow down so they can inquire and be curious. Um, I was actually talking about, when I was talking to you, it was a specific situation we're working with a team. And that was one thing we hadn't done is just ask, why? I try to, not literally maybe the question why, but like, why aren't you? Why don't you want to engage? Or why, why aren't you engaging? And have that literal conversation. I, it's, it's, it's amazing how we can skip over and miss those small questions that can be asked. Yeah, that why question is really important. Um, you know, the what questions are also really important, right? So why aren't you doing this? Why did you do that? Why do you feel like, or it's the, what about this job is not great for you? Or what about your current role is not satisfying? Or what is it that I'm doing that can help you or remove roadblocks? So rephrasing that why into a what mm -hmm. might yeah. get some more actionable stuff out of mm -hmm. that too. So it's a little, a really quick, it's, I take that for my brand strategy work. Um, I use ask a lot of why questions, but applying the what question, just twisting a little bit, you'll get some action out of that too. And I'll tell people just FYI, I, you probably, I, I, let's see if you co-sign on this, asking the literal why question um, can sound very confrontational. Mm, um, and yes. people can begin to kind of lock up like, whoa, you're questioning me. Whoa, I, I got to protect myself. So again, like I said, getting at the why, but not necessarily through using the word why. <laughs> yeah, that it, it does. It creates some defensiveness, right? It's like, oh, uh, what do you mean why? Like, you know, and then they're like, because I wanted to, you know, or they give you some little attitude back. You're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm not trying to like, you know, um, yeah, you're right. Right on with that. That's really good. Federal open season is over, but you can apply for WEPA life insurance year round. WEPA has been ensuring the future of federal employees for more than 75 years. WEPA can be used as a supplement or replacement for Fagley and can cost less. Last year, members who switched saved $375 on average. Apply for WEPA Group Term Life Insurance and see how much you could save by visiting waepa.org today. I wanted to, to ask you about brand and, and, and reputation. That's something that I, I know you've talked about a lot. And I'm going to literally just start off with a softball question just to get us going and make sure everyone's on the same page. What is brand? Is this, is the same as reputation? Is it different? Can you, what is brand? Um, let me ask you what you think brand is. Let me throw oh. it back at you. I threw the softball back. Goodness gracious. I, I missed, oh. I missed it. I missed it. <laughs> I threw it back to you. So my, 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 I would say, I would say brand is your reputation. Brand is, is how people, how people see you, how they think about you, what you say when you're not saying anything, what people say about you when you're not there. Um, it's when I think of my brand, and I'm, I'm very intentional about trying to build that. I, I am, I am the funny guy who who is caring, but talks about networking, relationship building, and career advancement. And that is the, the brand I try to build for myself. Um, and that, that's not because I want to say those things. I want to create a persona, the, the atmosphere. So that's what people are saying about me, and especially saying about me when I'm not in the room. Um, how, how, how did I go? Did, did, did I hit it? Did, did I get a, did I bunt it? How did I go with that softball? Uh, that was amazing. Like, I don't know if I could have said it better than you. I would have said it shorter than you, but, <laughs> but, 
That was probably one of the best definitions that I've heard. So I 100% agree with you. Everything you said, I think it's right on. And we get, uh, you know, I, and I, I generally say what you say. I say it's what people say about you when you're not around, right? That's, that's what it is um, in, a, in so many words. And we have this, especially in my industry where we came from in the design and branding industry, it was, it was, oh, look at that brand or look at that brand. And we kind of, you know, make it synonymous with company. Of like, mm, oh, hey, yeah. I I I buy what that brand has to offer because I like the way it feels on my feet, right? And and we kind of like we straddle this fence of like what a brand is. A lot of us mm-hmm. interpret, hey, I'm going to create a new brand for myself, and then that means I get a new logo and a new color palette and new fonts <laughs> for my website, right? So that's complete, and that and you know what, our industry was guilty of that, right? We would say, hey, we're doing a rebranding project. And it was really, oh, an identity refresh. It was a, you know, look and feel thing, which, you know, if you show up one day looking as fly as you do right now, but then you know what, tomorrow you have a, an identity refresh and you look completely different. I'm going to have a different interpretation of you, but deep down in your soul, you're still going to be the same person. Right. Yeah. Um, The more I interact with you, I'm still going to say the same things about you, unless your image is so drastic, something crazy and different that I I make a remark about that. um, Then that may be it. So brand is reputation. It's what people say about you when you're not around. And ultimately, we do have some control over that, but we have thousands of little brands of us walking around. Brand impressions. Right now, you and I are creating a brand impression of each other. And I'll go to my wife and I'll say, hey, I met this guy today on a show, Alex, super cool guy, blah, blah, blah. Do you know this? And like, I'll, I'll talk about you that way. That was my brand impression of you. Your mom has a different brand impression of you, right? Your clients have a different brand impression of you. The person at the grocery store has a different brand impression of you. And we have micro brand impressions yeah. all over our whole lives. Um, so how intentional are we? about being consistent in how we deliver our brand, right? To yeah. others. And by, I go to Susie and, and accounting and I deliver my brand in one way, right? I, I show up one way and then I go over to my project manager and I show up a different way. And then I go over to uh, my CFO and I hand out like, right. Am I showing up consistently yeah. Yeah. as a leader? That's my leadership brand. And that has an impact because brand strategy comes down to three things, right? Differentiation, alignment, and consistency. If I'm inconsistent in how I show up, you see Coca-Cola, do they ever show up different target? If you see a, a commercial on TV, you haven't even seen the logo yet, you pretty much know it's a target commercial, right? It's like, oh yeah, yep. I know it's target, right? Or an Apple commercial, you know it's Apple, right? And that's consistency. How well can people predict how you're going to show up? That is brand consistency and that's power. Oh, I love that. Really, I want to deep dive into this a bit more. I'll just tell you, I I used to have people talk to me about, uh, well, I don't want to be fake. I got to be the same person. Like I, I'm, I am me. I don't want to be fake. I'm never going to change. And I'm like, well, look, it's, it's not changing who you are per se. Um, but the reality is, you got to work with real data. The reality is, is literally and generally speaking, I should say, 
you are a different person with your mom than you are with your best friend than you are in the office and you are somewhere else. And I'll tell you right now, I am a different person than I am in the office and I'm out the office because I work with HR and I don't want to get fired. So <laughs> I, I said, you know, jokingly, but seriously, there are there are things I say to my mom that I may not say in the workplace. And there's different. I love you said the, the expectations that like people can expect you to act and be a certain way. So how does someone go about building that brand for themselves. It sounds like it's important. So how should they go about doing it? Yeah. And we fly through life accidentally a lot, right? We don't put a lot of emphasis because we don't have to. That's the thing. It's really easy to be accidental. Super easy. We don't have to do anything. We just live. We just talk and we operate and we just go through life. Um, but you know what? People that act that way, they don't stay at jobs very long. They don't stay married very long. They don't have a lot of close relationships um, because people don't, they can't trust you. Um, so oh, consistency is tied to trust. Oh, heavens. Yes. Ooh. So I talk about this uh, and I don't have the graphic with me right now, but this idea of brand heaven and brand hell, the way we get to brand heaven is built through six different components. Number one is first impressions. So how do I show up? And we, and I always, I draw the analogy of like going on a first date, right? So you show up first date, I'm sitting across the table from you and we're hanging out and you can't get a word in edgewise. Cause I'm just talking, I'm taking up all the oxygen, just flowing, talk about how cool I am and all these other things, right? End of the date, you think it's going to get, we're going to, you think we're going to have a second date? Probably not. Right. Um, so first impressions is key. We all judge books by their cover. It is, what are we sending? What's the message we're sending? Okay. Then we get into consistency. Consistency is only in the second step, right? We get into consistency. Am I showing up to that date consistently acting the same way? Do I treat the waiter the same way? Do I treat you the same way? Do I treat, um, do I dress the same? Do I talk the same? Am I like carrying myself the same? Like those things, consistency. Because if inconsistency shows up, we go, ooh, what, wait a second. You're showing up one way, one the other day. Now you're different? Like, who are you really? Like, I don't know who's showing up and I don't like that. Like, we don't like that. We don't, because it makes us feel unsafe. All right. So consistency. Then we get into credibility. Now that you've been consistent, you're credible. Now it's like, okay, I can, I get it. Right. And all of these first three steps are the logical part of our brain. It's all checks, right? Yeah, check mark. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You, you good person I want to hang out with? Sure. Check. Okay. Uh, are you consistent? Check. Credible? Check. Okay. That's all the filter of our thinking. Then we move over into what, you know, our hearts. We move into our, well, I, I call our feeling brain, right? But it's like, are now after we've been credible, now we start to feel authentic. Now we start to feel real because we've been built this credibility and now I'm starting to get to know you. And now there's some authenticity. Then we move into trust. Now that you feel authentic, I feel like I can trust you now. So consistency. So first step, first impressions, consistency leads to credibility, authenticity, then trust. But that's not the final step. Okay. Ultimately, now we're just dating still. Because on that date, I'm to the trust point now. I'm going to go, you know what? Here's my heart. I'm going to tell you some things I'm not too proud of. Because you know what? I feel like there's some relationship here. And I'm going to see what you do with it. Yeah. And yeah. then that person does, you know, they don't judge us. They build us up, make us want to feel better, right? They treat us well. Then we get married. Then we 
loyalty happens. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's where, you know what? I can mess up sometimes and you're still loyal to me. Yeah. That's when, you know what? We're loyal to pizza restaurants. We're loyal to our favorite shoes. We're loyal to whatever we're loyal to because we built that all those steps to get to that point. So as a leader, are we taking the time to build all those steps? Or are we going from first impressions straight to loyalty? We're like, Hey, why aren't you loyal? It's like, uh, what have you done to earn it? You know, is, is that a new thing? I, I heard you talk before about the difference, you know, how we were back in the day and now in this new um, electronic E environment, loyalty takes longer. There used to be this position power, which again, I'm old school. I come into a situation, I automatically respect you because I, I, my assumption, I'm going to, my operating assumption is that you must know what you're talking about because you're in this position. Let me do my best to serve. And if you do something that makes me not trust you, then I will readjust that moment. But are we, are we seeing it? It, it has it flipped. Is our people not coming into the position saying, ah, I don't know if I can trust you. Let me just wait until you can build up trust and then I'll trust you. How yeah. does this work now? I mean, I, so you're right. So silent generation, um, pre-World War II kind of stuff. And then baby boomers, they were all grateful for what they had. They came from a world of scarcity, a world of not knowing if they're going to have food tomorrow, um, the recession or the, the great depression, all that other stuff, right? They came out of that. Not everybody, but generational. That's kind of what happened. So they had this mentality of being grateful for everything I have, being grateful that I have a job and being loyal to those people for 30 or 40 years, because then I get a pension and a gold watch. And that's what happens. Okay. Um, that's just how you work. And that's what it is. That's security. That's predictability. That's safety. It's, it's conservative in mind, but that's what creates consistency, right? That's their mindset. That's how success is happens. Now the Gen Xers came in, they started to like, you know, they had high divorce rates, um, not with them, but their parents were the first parents to really start getting divorced all over the place. So Think of that. There's a certain level of trust. Then Berlin Wall's falling down. So doubt in government. Rage Against the Machine releases new albums. And you're like, fight the government. You know, forget this. You know, so you've got all of this mentality coming in. There was also a a dip in birth rate with with the Gen Xers. They're sandwiched between the baby boomers, huge generation, and the millennials, right? Another big generation. The Gen Xers are like this forgotten generation, we call them. Because they were kind of like in this dip of of, of birth rate. Um, but they came around and they said, you know what? All of this loyalty to just because of your positional power, I don't believe that. You got to earn it, man. Like you got to earn my trust. You want me to do something? You earn it. Okay. Um, and then now the next generations, millennials, Gen Zs come around and they're a little bit more optimistic and almost to a fault, right? Um, painting beautiful pictures of everything. And, but, but their idea is we're going to make the world amazing because yeah. you guys have ruined it. All of you before us have killed the world and it's up to us to save it. And that means that I've got to find my purpose in what I'm doing, my purpose in myself, my purpose in my fulfillment in life. And if that means a job hop, that means a job hop. No offense to you. I don't have anything yeah. against you. Yeah. But 
it's really for the greater good. So you need to understand that. And that's what I am doing. And that's what I'm serving right now. So the trust thing, it's like, not that I don't trust you. Like I may trust you to a fault maybe. Um, but it's not because you're positional power because really the millennials and the Gen Zers, they come across and most of them will kind of sit there and look at you and go, yeah, that's cool. You're in that position. So what? You know, like, <laughs> what, what? like, are you a cool person? Do I like hanging out with you? Right. Can I build a relationship with you that helps me and I help you? And like, that's what we look at. Yeah. Right. And that's why I think some of the older generations are going, who are these young kids running around, like chumming it up with me? Like, do they know who I am? That's not appropriate, you know? And yeah, you know, so I think there's a little bit of, so went off on that diatribe, but is, uh, but what do you think about that? Dude, it, it makes so much sense. I think I've always just been a, an old soul, man. Um, I came up, how I came up and how I've always been able to be successful in, in my working and in in the roles I've had moving up the leadership ranks to, to executive level positions is coming into a situation saying, okay, I work for whoever I'm working for. My job is to make that person look good. My job is to make the people who work for me look good. And if I can make the people who, who work um, uh, horizontal to me look good, then I'm going to be, I'm going to be good, right? If I can make people look good, they're going to like me around. They're going to find ways to help me out. And I always also help my way. I'm very intentional about making sure that I find ways to elevate myself as well. But it was always about understanding what are the priorities of the principle I'm working for? How do I make sure I hit those priorities? Um, and now I've just, I've heard more and more leaders. I've seen it myself talking about, you know, people coming in and being like, ah, what you really want is not important to me. What's important for me is to do these things because this is in alignment with my values or my mission, my personal mission. And I'm like, yeah, but if you want, I, <laughs> I, again, I'm just super old school. It's like, there, there's a, there's, there is a, I still believe there's a respect that goes along with a position because hopefully someone has earned that position and they know something they, they know something it doesn't mean that people who are just getting into the game young, younger people don't have anything of value to add i do i think they absolutely do and i tell the story about this young dude he's like literally i think he was like 15 16 and he's a young native american cat and i was like hey what did you do this past summer he's like oh yeah i hunt a lone wolf what yeah, yeah, yeah. i hunted a lone wolf by by yourself, yeah. We did, you know, did it for a couple of weeks, and I you know, caught the wolf. Came back. Like our young people are, are are so capable of doing so much, but what I see again, especially in the younger generations, is I know what's right. You need to implement my ideas, and your ideas are generally old and wrong. And that's why I'm trying to make sure though that we can do both. You can bring new ideas and listen to to the ideas that that are coming from people who, are, who have experience. Oh man, I love hearing that because I talk, I, I call that intergenerational tug of war, right? Mm. You've got, you've got this side and this side, and they're pulling at each other. Old people saying, you young people don't know anything. I've been around this industry forever. And the young people saying, you don't know anything. Your ways are old and antiquated, right? And so we've got this tug of war happening within what happens when you have two people rowing opposite directions in the same boat, it doesn't go anywhere or it cracks in half if they're both mm -hmm. really strong, right? Mm -hmm. And the ship mm -hmm. sinks. So Here's here's something I throw up in some of my uh, uh, my keynotes that I do on this topic of multi generational um, workplace is is I show a picture of you know the old school picture of like an apprentice 
and you know the person uh and, and the master yeah, yeah yeah and and this and they're cobblers right in this old picture there's a cobbler um and they're fixing a pair of shoes the 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 kid the apprentice is holding the pair of shoes well what we think is the apprentice holding the pair of shoes and the cobbler is looking over his shoulder holding his own pair of shoes right so you yeah. see a typical master apprentice relationship yeah old guy master young guy apprentice and i always ask people what if the dialogue's actually flipped. What if the old guy's looking over his shoulder, seeing how that young kid is actually creating something new with those shoes? Yeah. And that young kid's going, yeah, I know. I remember you showed me that last week, Phil, but what if we tried this? And the old guy's going, oh my gosh, that's really smart. So you're using my old technique, yeah. but you yeah. innovated it a little bit different because I never really thought of that. That's cool. And then I even say this, what if neither one of them are the master? The master is somewhere else who said, hey, you two, you're both apprentice, the old yeah. guy and the young person yeah. said, I want you two to collaborate on a better way to fix shoes because yeah. our old way, it's not going to work anymore. So he sees the vision, but now he's coming to these, these guys and saying, hey, work as a team. I know you're from different generations. That's why I put you together because I want both perspectives to bring something awesome together. God, you're so freaking badass. You're again. I can say the A word because it's my show. It's okay, everyone. All day, uh, all day, <laughs> dude. You're awesome. I, I look. There's so much I want to say, but I know that you had to jump off because you got to meet with the president of J.P. Morgan. Um, so uh, if you would just please, um, I want to provide the, the the space for you. Is there anything that you'd like to share with our audience as we begin to wrap up? I just want to make sure that everybody has permission to be who they were designed to be, right? And we feel put in boxes. We feel caged in um, sometimes by ourselves, but often by others who put us in a box, who tend to put us in cages and say, no, 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 you stay there because that's your job. That's your role. That's what I did. This is what you're going to do. And not taking into account the value that other people can bring and the value and the thing that those people are built to do. When we have permission to be what we're good at and do what we're good at, there's so much growth and so much potential that can happen. Now, that comes down to this idea of when you're not at your best as a leader, you can't give your best to other people. We can't give what we don't possess, right? I can't be horrible. I can't be bad and myself feel horrible in myself and then give my best to my family, give my best to my team. I can't do it. It's not possible. So it starts with you. Are you self-aware? Are you others aware? And are you intentional about giving that to other people? Ooh, man. Look, we couldn't have ended any other way. Jamie Diamond's calling, so I have to get off the phone. I know you just you just ignored the Obama call, but there's one more yeah. last second. Yeah, I silenced <laughs> Obama. Please, you're gonna have to wait. Uh, hey, look, Scott, thank you so much for coming on today. It was so freaking cool being on with you. I know I learned so much. I know everyone here has learned. Everyone who's, who's listening and watching has learned so much. Um, really quickly, Scott, if they want to get in contact with you, how do they do that? They can go to scottwaldron.com. That's S-K-O-T-W-A-L-D-R-O-N.com. I've got uh, all my show episodes are on there, but some freebies as well for some people. You find out more about what I do. Um, you want to hire me to speak? I do a lot of professional speaking now, so I would love to come speak to your organization and what you're doing. Um, and then you can find me on uh, YouTube. 
You can find me there. I've got some free tools for that. So that's scottwaldron.com as well. Or not Scott Waldron, but on, on YouTube. And then on LinkedIn, connect with me there because I put a lot of free tips and guidance up there as well. Awesome sauce. Look, everyone, you know where I'm about to go with this. If you found anything of value from today's conversation, don't keep it to yourself. Don't say that person over there should have been here. Don't just look back, reach back, bring someone else to the table, bring the information to them, comment, share. Let us know that you you appreciate and you liked what was shared here so we know if, if, if Scott needs to come back on. <laughs> now, look, everyone, I love and appreciate all of you. And thank you so much for, for being here for over a, almost two years now. I just really, I can't tell you how much I appreciate being here with all of you. <sighs> but no further ado before I start crying. Stay strong, stay positive, and definitely stay moving. See ya. Thanks for listening to The Executive Appeal with Alex Trumbull. I invite you to follow The Executive Appeal wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow me, your host, Alex Trimble, across all socials or via email for exclusive webinars, courses, and speaking engagements on continued topics of executive leadership. So until next time, stay strong, stay positive, and definitely stay moving.